This man is dining alone in a fancy restaurant, and there's a beautiful redhead sitting at the next table. He's been sneakily checking her out ever since he arrived, but doesn't have the courage to start talking to her. Suddenly, she sneezes, and her glass eye comes flying out of its socket toward the man. His reflexes kick in, and he reaches out, plucks it out of the air, and hands it back to her. Uh, Here you go, ma'am. The redhead is mortified. Oh my, I'm so sorry. She says as she pops her eye back into place. Let me buy your dinner to make it up to you. So he joins her table, and they enjoy a wonderful meal together. Afterward, they go to the theater, followed by some drinks. They talk, they laugh. She shares her deepest dreams, and he shares his. She listens. After paying for everything, he asks her if she would like to go on a second date. She says yes. Absolutely. And they have many more dates after. On that Christmas morning, she cooks a gourmet meal with all the trimmings. The guy is amazed at how everything has been so perfect and how incredible this woman is. He can't believe his luck. You know, he says, you were the perfect woman. Are you this nice to every guy you meet? No. She replies. You just happened to catch my eye. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. patriarchy. You are a male privilege. Are you saying you have authority over me? Go eat your superior! I personally can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of the patriarchy. Don't say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And that is Luke chapter 1, verses 32 to 33. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to The Patriarchy. My name is Tony Dapani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman... Get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating on this festive day? Well, my wife and I went and uh, we decided, I don't, don't, don't get mad at us, but we decided to go to Chicago. No, I moved out of Chicago for very good reasons. You should not go back there. Why? We were going up there for, we wanted to eat at a restaurant. And There's restaurants around where you live, man. You don't need to go to Chicago. Yeah, but we wanted to get, you know, this special food. Okay. And we just wanted to go there. It's the only place. Now, sadly, we didn't know that we had gotten there at the same time that there was this parade going through the town. 
and it was put on by the Communist Party of the United States. So, uh, sounds like Chicago. Yeah. So, but anyways, we were out walking around, and I said to my wife, "I think it's raining," and she said, "No, it's snowing." And so we were we were kind of fighting about whether it was rain or snowing. So I said, "Well, let me just ask this uh, communist right here." And I said, hey, sir, I said, I'm, I'm Joseph. He said, hi, I'm Rudolph. And I said, is it raining or snowing? And he said, it's definitely raining. And so, you know, I turned to my wife with a smile and I said, see, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, that, wow. Wow. That's, uh. That's a special one, man. That's that's a that's a special kind of bad. It's, it's good. So, um, did did you get a sandwich while you were there? <laughs> you don't get a sandwich in communist places, man. You, I'm sure it's just like it's probably just bread, no meat, and some. You know, it's like in jail. I don't know. Yeah, they were they were out of bread. There was a bread line. Bread we line, yeah, yeah, bread line, yeah, bread line, Bernie. That's the last time I'm going to Chicago. That's good. You shouldn't have went there in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> well, what what am I eating? Um, well, actually, we've had a couple of really good sandwiches lately, so I'm trying to pick which one was was the best. Because technically tonight we had hamburgers, and I made the hamburgers. So I know technically hamburgers a sandwich, but I should probably go with something my wife made. But um, hamburgers were good. But uh, recently, no, no I, I remember. So recently she made. Um, these really good uh, chicken sandwiches. It had like a, what's it called? Uh, pesto chicken, like that kind of pesto sauce stuff on the chicken. And, um, but it was on um, like toasted Italian bread. And, um, and it, you know, just had like some. Spinach. What did she do? She made the pesto from scratch, obviously. Yes. As, as always, as always, yes. every, everything here is completely made from scratch. Uh, I know. These were the chickens that she was growing in your backyard, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. And she, she went out and, and she, wait, growing chickens? <laughs> she, <laughs> she harvested well, the know, chicken. Ra- raising chickens. Raising, was, raising the chicken. Well, she, maybe she grew them out of the ground. That's, we got a weird She grew garden. the chickens. Did she raise the wheat? She raised, yes. Yeah, we, we have the, wheat. For the, for the ab- bread. Absolutely. The bread. We have, we have wheat back there and, uh, and she grinds it. She sh- uses the grinder. Absolutely. Uh, and just, and as that's right after she, uh, milks the cow and, and makes the butter, um, nose to the grind. She's abs- working hard. Absolutely. But my, I know if my wife is listening to this right now, honey, I know you're laughing because she, she thinks this is hilarious that every time we mention <laughs> Her making something. So, any fans, if this is your first time, uh, this segment happens uh, every episode, and uh, most of the episodes, Joseph goes into this bit about my wife doing all of all of this work, which, of course, of course, she does, because that's that's absolutely. What you, you're on the patriarchy. I just assumed your wife is like a slave. Absolutely, I'm sure she and does it all barefoot and pregnant. By the way, it, yes, yeah. And I built, you, I, like, I built the threats ki- down her neck. I'm sure. Well, and I built the kitchen walls out really, really far into the backyard so that she's always barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen. Or we just yeah, call yeah. the backyard the kitchen. So. This went in a weird direction. Um, backyard is the kitchen. I like that. <laughs> My backyard is the and kitchen. So you got chickens in your kitchen. In the kitchen, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're and raising it, chickens in your kitchen. And if I need milk, I just yeah, there's a cow in the chicken. Is that, yeah. In the in the kitchen. In the chicken. Oh boy. Do you uh, call the cow pin like the refrigerator? So you kinda open the gate and then you get the milk from the refrigerator. Yep. Yep. Hey, this this is this could be a whole nother segment right now, I think. Yeah. 
So that being said, I had a pesto chicken sandwich on toasted Italian bread with uh, some spinach and stuff on it. It was, it was really good. Now, is your wife Italian? No, my wife is actually Irish. So who does she pay to make the Italian bread? Um, or, or how did it become Italian? I I blessed it. I don't know. I don't know where to go with this. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, this is devolving into weird territory now. So we're, we're going to move on. What are you talking about? That was terrible, man. My, one of my ancestors somewhere rolled over in his grave and... Are you looking at me? Slapped. Are you looking at me? Oh, man. That's the bread? Oh, is that what the bread does? That's the bread, yeah. Hey, if you if you do this thing for me, I do this thing for you. Yeah, capiche? There you go. Yeah. All right, there you go. There go. Thank you. There's Thank my you. Italian coming out of me. Okay, anyway, moving on, so we don't dawdle on this too long here. Um, okay, so, so recently, if you follow our Facebook page... Um, you saw that we posted this uh, this Captain America meme uh, regarding some Christmas posts that uh, well regarding some Christmas arguments that Joseph has had on his his personal Facebook page, uh, and I believe you posted a couple things I think about Christmas. I think you posted a few things about tradition, and then you posted other things. And for whatever reason, ever since it feels like your comment thread, no matter what you post, just turns into an argument about Christmas. <laughs> so. Tis the time of year to argue, apparently. Uh, not really. But I thought, and both he and I, were, you and I were talking, that this would be uh, an appropriate time now that this, this will probably be released the week right prior to Christmas. So I thought this would be kind of a good time to talk about a couple things about Christmas. So why don't you start with what, what caused some of this argument or pushback uh, in your comment threads? It starts with me... Uh- probably a couple of years ago, three years ago, just working through the issue of the regulative principle and some, you know, I, I'm weird online. I run in some circles uh, with people that are good believers in the Lord, but they, uh, you know, they uh, don't celebrate Christmas principally call it idolatry and you know they say that god has forbidden it and and therefore when when other christians you know celebrate christmas they're participating in idolatry or some kind of monument to idolatry they're participating in roman catholicism yeah that i hear that one a lot yeah the roman catholicism yeah, yeah. and and so the same kind of people make these arguments the same and and, and i don't want to belittle them but uh, some of the same people were also arguing against whether we can sing hymns. You know, do we have to sing psalms only? Or, and, and are instruments allowed in worship? Can you say the Apostles' Creed in worship? Can you kneel in worship? Um, and I'm, I'm sure there's some other, even other things that are unique to the position. And because I hold... That God's law is the standard, and the Bible is the standard. When someone produces an argument from God's law, I, I want to take it seriously, and want to study God's word, study uh, my reformed fathers and Christian history, and all that stuff. So I started doing that about I don't know three or four years ago, mm-hmm. and got real close to the position. Um, thinking through it, I, I you know there was a point. And maybe there's something I can confess about in which it was like, well, I want to be reformed. And so 
these people say this is what it means to be really reformed. And so I'm going to be really reformed. And so it was almost like there's this like competition, I think, among people to be like, who can be the most reformed? Could out, out reform each other. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and um, what can happen is you can adopt positions without actually having thought through them biblically and scripturally and even historically. And then I'd actually argue doing that is not reformed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, it's quite the uh, opposite. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to set us up, say something now we'll come back to later. Okay. But uh, I want to argue that reformed theology is not, uh, uh, it's, Substance is not found in uh, holidays or psalm only singing mm-hmm. or or ceremonies or any of those things, but rather the true substance, the true importance of reform theology and reform history is solid biblical preaching and teaching, pastoral care and ministry, discipleship of the people, and um, obviously. Uh, the gospel, justification by faith, and um, and then um, sanctification. So a strong emphasis on God's law, but really, what the kernel, the form of it, is good pastoral care and church discipline, and those things. And so I think there's just a whole way that today you think that being reformed is all about particularities regarding ceremonies or not ceremonies or what to not sing mm-hmm. in worship. And I, I just find that whether those, th- I'm not saying those are bad discussions to have. I just think they're not the the core of it and we can get sidetracked with, with that and, or become very prideful in it. And so, so okay. So having said that, then what, what do you think is the, uh, well, actually we could, we could go through some, but what are some of the objections that, that you were hearing regarding Christmas as you worked through it yourself and then now that you've you've been in favor of Christmas um, what are some of the things we're seeing pushback uh, online and and to be fair everybody if you're listening keep with us we're, we're not trying to mock anybody in this we're, we're really just trying to work through the reasons why we celebrate Christmas and and there's other things to go along with it so just keep with us through the episode but anyway so back to you yeah, Joseph we'll have some application here yeah yeah absolutely yeah, back to me thank you back to you um, back to you Joseph <laughs> on the street <laughs> um you know, uh, the arguments is, you know, the one is what hasn't been commanded by God in worship uh, is forbidden by God in worship. And that's the regular principle. And um, as Reformed Christian, I hold to that. Um, I hold that we ought not add inventions of man to to worship elements. And, and you know, I don't want to see liturgical dance or... or uh, lasers know, and inc- smoke machines, incense and lasers and smoke machines, and people yeah, yeah. on hang gliding out of the the roof of the building, or you know all the yeah yeah pomp and ceremonies of of Rome and all that stuff. I don't I don't want to see all that. Um, but um, and, and as I will, I'll make an argument for that Christmas doesn't break the regular principle. So I'm coming at it from a reform position. I will argue and, and say that some of the proof texts that people go to, I don't think prove 
the regulative principle. So uh, uh, um, in the Old Testament, Aaron's sons, when they offer up strange fire, that's a common go-to. And um, usually the, the point being is that, well, see, they were killed because they uh, did something that God had not commanded. Like they had, in their own imagination, come up with some way to worship God, and that's why he killed them. And they'll point to the fact that the passage says because he had not commanded them to do it. But what they don't do is put it back in context and go back to where just a few chapters earlier, God commands Aaron and his sons, the priests, that a certain way they are to offer up the incense and specifically tells them, this is the way you're to do it and do not offer up strange fire. Mm -hmm. So they were given instructions and told not to do something. And so what they did was they went and did what God had forbidden them to do. Right. And so when God says to them, you went, you did what I had not commanded you to do, or you did, uh, uh, yeah, uh, what I had not commanded you, the whole point of that is not necessarily, I don't think the emphasis is on, well, they created something and that's why God killed them. Rather, they, they, they explicitly disobeyed God. And they were, they were like children. You tell them to go clean your bedroom. <laughs> I want you to go clean your bedroom and I don't want you to do anything else. Right? You tell that to your son. And so you go in there after a while, and the bedroom's not clean, but he's done some magnificent job of some other other uh, thing, some other task that he's taken up. And so he looks at you, and you're like, why is the bedroom not clean? And it's, uh, well, Dad, I did this. And you're like, but I didn't tell you to do that. Mm-hmm. Is the point really that you didn't tell him to do that and that's why you're going to discipline your son? Like, would you have walked in his room any other time? No. The point being when you say that is he didn't do what you actually told him to do, instead did something else. Yeah, it's not because he, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something he did. Fix the drywall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not because he fixed the hole in the drywall and you're like, no, I'm going to punish you for fixing the hole in the drywall. It's like, no, I told you to not do anything else. Like, you could have vacuumed so, the carpet. and. <laughs> so that... That's been a lot of the argument online. A little bit is about what proof texts to use, and I, I just don't think that's a good one. But anyways, let's get to Christmas then. So that's the main argument. It's not commanded by God. Where do you find it in the Bible that we are to celebrate the the, the birth of Christ? And and then you add into there, Christmas is pagan. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's the one. I'd say it's pretty good 50-50. I hear the... You know, it's not commanded uh, in the Bible. And then the other part of it is I, I do hear a lot of it's pagan. It's everything about it's pagan. And um, so, yeah. So, I don't know. We could pick one. We could pick. A, we'll, we'll talk about well, both the, of them. But let's go with. Uh, why don't we let's go start with, with the first thing? Yeah, go with what you're talking about. Let's start with the the Christmas is not commanded in the Bible. So, and and the thing being, is the church, does the church have any freedom in, in the ceremonies or in what it what it does. And so I I would argue that the church has been, excuse me, commanded uh, specifically to preach and teach the whole counsel of God, to worship by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, by prayer and the sacraments. And it, with that responsibility, 
that command for them to do, which they must do, there's some authority that comes along with that, which includes uh, learning and knowing when to teach on which topics. And so uh, with that understanding in mind, then who can say that it's adding to anything for the church to say, we are going to sing about, to pray, and thank God for, and read scripture about, and preach on the birth of Christ. Right, yeah. And we see, actually, in the scriptures itself, that the birth of Christ comes with much celebration. Mm-hmm. There's much to be thankful for about it, right? You, When the announcements, you have all the prophets looking forward to it, in the Old Testament, over you know all the prophecies looking towards the Christ, you have uh, the four Gospels. You have at least three of them that that have some concern with the birth of the coming of Christ uh, in his early years. You have when the angel makes the announcement to Mary, her response is one of praise and thanksgiving and celebration. You have, when Christ is born, the angels show up and they are rejoicing and celebrating with the shepherds. The shepherds go and they see you have the Magi coming and worshiping the Lord. You've got Simeon, who uh, is uh, just been waiting to see the Lord and finally does and says, now, now that the birth has come, he can go away. You can send me away. Yeah, yeah. All right. And then you have the prophetess. You have all surrounding the birth of Christ in the Bible, the celebration of Christ coming. And so it is, it is absolutely strange to me that you would think that we're, we would not be able to celebrate the birth of Christ. And, and to be fair, yeah. when you're talking in here, we'll, we'll get to the other stuff eventually. We'll get to the Christmas trees and the symbolism stuff, but... What if, if you correct me if I'm wrong? But what you're just talking about just in here, it's just flat out just celebrating the birth of Christ, like just the the choice to just I'm going to celebrate the birth of Christ, and and that's what you're talking about, right? Yes, I'm 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 laying a foundation for the fact that, yeah. it, and and this could be any time of the year, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, any time you think about when Christ came, and He took on flesh, the God who flung the stars, billions and billions of stars into space. As almost an afterthought, when you read through Genesis, that God took on human flesh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 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 not only took it on temporarily, but now is a man forever. And you think about that—that that ought to, we ought to be like Hark the Herald Angels Sing all year long, <laughs> joy to the world, right? Yeah, amen. And so, now I think everybody would agree with this so far. Um, then the question comes. Well, does the church have any authority as it's choosing to celebrate these things to choose when to do it? Can it set aside a special time for it? And I and and um, well, all you have to do is ask: Is it okay if the church has a Wednesday night prayer service? Yeah. Um, are they able to worship on any other day than Sunday? Obviously, they're required on the Lord's Day, and we ought to honor that day. That's a holy day every week that we get to have, uh, looking forward to uh, the the eternal Sabbath rest that we have. But who would argue that the church cannot have another day 
that it sets aside for some kind of special teaching or instruction. Sunday school, something like that. You know, even, interestingly enough, even the the Scottish Covenanters would set aside whole seasons for the communion. So they would, strangely enough, I think, keep communion sometimes only quarterly or maybe even once a year. Hmm. I know that. Which I think is totally against the regular principle in that we see in Scripture the example was at least weekly or somewhat more frequent Lord's Supper than that. But um, they had these seasons of like you would fast and then they'd have a bunch of preaching for a few days, almost like a tent revival leading up to the Lord's Supper. And so we allow that to happen. And so if if, if these are all allowable, the church may do it, and it falls within the church's commands and responsibility, then at what point does it become sinful? I guess, and and the the argument seems to be, well, it becomes sinful when they do it every year at the same time. And, and that's kind of silly. Yeah, yeah. And And then you look at in Scripture, are there any examples then of you know, holidays of days of feasting over some event in in um, redemption history. Well, that's not we know com- in the old- that, that's not commanded by God, right? That's what you're asking. Yeah. So you, I was yeah. going to say we have in the Old Testament those, you know, the feast of the booths and all those sure. Passover commanded. But are there any examples in Scripture in which they were not commanded by God to to do that, and yet they were not punished? God was. It's it's not looked upon negatively in Scripture. In fact, Jesus himself celebrated. Is there any examples of that? And yes, there are. Yes, there is. Yeah. Go uh, ahead, Tony. Tell us what they are. Say Hanukkah. That's the one that first comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. So that I was going to bring that up second, but we'll, we'll start with that. Hanukkah, right? Hanukkah is festival of lights. Right. We see in the, the, the Gospel of John that Jesus is there in the temple during this time. And, you know, what else would he be in the temple for? He's preaching. He's using the occasion. Um, And so Hanukkah is, in fact, the first example I was going to give is Purim, which is when, you know, Ezra, not Ezra, sorry, Esther uh, uh, rescued the people from um, the the slaughter of, uh, by the, the... the Persians, you know, the, the king there. Mm-hmm. And they established a day celebrating that, actually a whole week-long festival. And this is in a book of the Bible in which God's name's not even mentioned. And so there's certainly no command from God to keep this. And yet it's an act of God's deliverance. So that's the first example. And But I think the even greater example is the Hanukkah one because it's a celebration of something that we don't even find any biblical evidence for whatsoever. Right. Right. It's an example of uh, when in the, in the Maccabean time, the, uh, they were able to uh, fight off the, the Greeks and, and take over back the promised land. And so uh, uh, we have this celebration that Jesus keeps. Now, here's the argument, Tony. Let's see if you can answer it. The argument is going to be that Purim and Hanukkah are strictly civil holidays more akin to the 4th of July or Labor Day. 
And so there's not anything religious about them. And so we are able to establish civil days like 4th of July, but setting aside a celebration of the birth of Christ is religious in nature and therefore is forbidden. Wait, I've forbidden by who? By God. But isn't Hanukkah and Purim both celebrating something that God did? Yes, but it did it in the civil life of the people. <laughs> Such a weak argument. I know you're laughing about it, and I wish people could see the, the look <laughs> on your face. But that this is the argument. I mean, th- I mean, and really, I'm not trying I've, to mock I've, it. I've, I've, yeah, I've, yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm just laughing because I, I've, I've not actually heard that. I've. Can you elaborate on that? Because that just seems like. Well, they're going to say that they're they're civil holidays, you know, instituted by their sure, civil government, yeah, I and they're not that. really kept in. Well, they're not related to temple worship, which. You know, uh, neither is Christmas. I was going to say, yeah, done away with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and and so that leads you to another problem altogether. Is you know, in the New Testament, uh, the synagogues. Yeah, yeah. Jesus worshipped in the synagogues. Where do we find Old Testament? Where do we find God commanding the people? for synagogues and what worship would look like in the synagogues. Mm -hmm. And so we have a problem then if the regulative principle means like the super strict version of it, that it means, if it means that then Jesus is probably breaking it. And, And obviously that, that, that that's blasphemy to say Jesus is breaking God's law. And, and so he's not. So Jesus keeps Hanukkah. He keeps Purim and he's in the synagogue worshiping, and so that ought to be enough warrant for us to say, on top of the fact, what we've already mentioned, that the church has the responsibility to teach the whole counsel of God, and therefore there's there's real authority that comes with it. You know, the worst thing in the world is to have responsibility without authority. Mm-hmm. And I've been in jobs where you have that, mm-hmm. and it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is Where not you've fun. been given a responsibility without any authority to carry it out. Yep, and God's not a uh, a tyrant and a terrible uh, a master where He gives us responsibilities without any authority to carry those responsibilities out, and so the the church has authority then on deciding when to speak and and when to teach on what. I mean, everybody knows this. There's uh, the pastor can, gets up and he selects a text to preach from. He can't preach the whole Bible on one Sunday. I mean that that talk about a long sermon. I've I've I've, I've preached a long time, but not the whole Bible. <laughs> I uh, okay, so I'm still trying to wrap my head around the whole civil thing, but um, okay, so I think I'm following on some of that too. So I'm I'm trying to think what what would be the next objection that that would be from that. So so we're going we 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 went through and we've had. You know, we've had Purim, we've had Hanukkah, we've, we've had things that are not commanded by God. And and to be fair, as we're talking through this, we're, we're not saying that um, pastors, elders have the right to say, if you don't celebrate Christmas, I don't know, you're not saved, or you're in you're in grave sin, or something like that. Um, but they do... But, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was, go ahead, you see what you were going to say. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, but they do have the authority to direct their flock to do direct the people that they're over to 
to say that they they feel that this is an appropriate thing to learn about, preach about, praise about during this particular time. You know, I mean, whether that's December 25th or, you know, some other time of year or something, but they have the right to do that and the authority to do that. Um, but it's not a salvation thing. Um, so there's, there's, you know, it's not like uh, we're going to tell you that all of a sudden Thursday night is now, you know, the Lord's Day, that kind of thing. You don't have the right to do that because God established that. Yeah, so, you know, um, as we talk about the church having responsibility and authority, yeah, the one thing we cannot take away from or add to is the gospel. And so this, I, I think a lot of the actual resistance or, or opposition to Christmas or holidays from the Puritans um, is legitimate in their time period because of the abuses of the Roman Catholic Church. So, uh, you know, we will look at here in just a moment when Christmas first started, when the celebrations first started, actually. and But they, they predate, you know, the Roman Catholic Church, and they didn't start off with the... the being days in which you are more holy on and earn more salvation on. Um, that that developed. And so by the time you get to the Puritans, they are opposed to the tyranny of being forced to do something that is supposedly to garner you holiness and grace for justification. Right. Absolutely. And 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 obviously we ought to be opposed to that too, and mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. And but we don't live in that same circumstances. And you know, there's no one forcing you to keep Christmas. Uh, I do not know of any Reformed or Protestant Christians telling you that that you are earning salvation or or more holy on these days or something. Now, sometimes you get the cheesy Hallmark movies where it make Christmas seem magical and all that stuff. Sure. And we ought to avoid that superstition. Well, and to, but, and to be fair, I do think there are some Protestants, it's probably not as much in Reform circles, but that don't say, you know, that it earns you salvation or don't say that uh, it makes you more holy. But I think and some of this is probably just the culture creeping in, but I think some people, in the way that they act about Christmas, it, it can come off like that. But yeah, I don't think I've ever really heard anybody saying, if you don't celebrate Christmas, you're not saved, or it makes you more holy. But I do think sometimes people need to watch how they act or talk about Christmas during the time, because sometimes I do think it does come off as though if somebody choose chose not to celebrate Christmas, or maybe they celebrate in a different way, or they only celebrate a, a part of it, or in a certain way that all of a sudden they're, I don't know, not as much of a Christian as somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And we, we, we're not, we never add to the, the gospel. And so, you know, the Apostle Paul says, don't let anybody judge you for these things. We ought to be careful, very carefully, that we're not judging people, whether they are, are or not keeping Christmas, as if it's a salvation issue. Um, maybe the, the the next question to ask then is, you know, when did Christ, Christmas get started? When did people start celebrating the birth of Christ? So, because another objection is, well, all right, so I hear everything you're saying, but I don't see in Scripture where they specifically set apart a day for Christmas. And and so th- then some of the arguments start to come into play, like. 
you know, Christmas was started to take over a pagan holiday and therefore it has pagan roots. And so it's idolatry because of that. And so we ought to avoid that if it has pagan roots, right? You've heard those arguments. So those are a lot of times the same people are not making those arguments. I say those who are more regular principle arguing are, are not quite making the pagan arguments though. Um, I think it was uh, Cotton Mathers, one of the New England Puritans, came up with some fallacious arguments about the beginning of Christmas and paganism. And so maybe there's some connection back to him and, and that. It could be. Uh, you know, there, there's there's a tendency, I think, among a lot of Anabaptists and traditions with those of having this, like, what do you want to call it, a, a conspiracy conspiracy theory mindset about the early church and a, especially about Constantine. And, and so basically we, we, we're skeptical of early Christian stuff, but we're never actually skeptical of the skeptics. We're, we're never skeptical of our skepticism about it. And, and so we kind of paint these things. Well, you know, the early church was just ate up with trying to appease paganism and so they took over these pagan festivals and so there's like these memes that go around where like don't you know that like <laughs> Solvictus and and um this you name the gods um you know uh, iris and uh, i mean uh uh you name them they were all born on the 25th of of december and they were all born of a virgin, and I mean, before you know it, like the, the atheists love to do it too, right? They they put out these memes where like, did you know that all these all these pagan gods were born on the twenty fifth, and they all uh, they all uh, were virgin births and resurrected from the dead and had disciples and did miracles, yeah. And so Jesus, uh, Christians are just copying them. Well, the you're mentioning uh, Sol Invictus. Uh, there's there were multiple. Um, there were multiple sun festivals actually, and I I was reading back and there it wasn't even on. I think there was one point where it was on the twenty fifth of December, and it wasn't until like halfway through. I think it was like three hundred fifty AD, somewhere around that. But then it was also on like in August. It was in early December. It like moved around every year. So you know somebody well, somewhere was like, well, this one year, <laughs> this one year, this one time, it was on December twenty fifth. <laughs> Well, that's because the pagans kept different calendars. Yeah, and it they moved around. Lunar, yeah. lunar calendars, <laughs> right? And, and so they didn't match up to the the the, the calendar even the Romans well, used. I, or the, or it, the, and yeah, I heard yeah. uh, what's the other one? Saturn, Saturn Saturnalia, whatever yeah, the heck yeah, that yeah, one yeah, was. Yeah, that yeah. one, if you look back, I don't even know where they get the twenty fifth on that one because according to what I've read, that was supposed to be somewhere like fourteen days before January, which is not yeah. December twenty fifth. <laughs> Um, and I mean, the more you look into it, if you actually just go back and study some of the history, especially we were talking about the calendars, the different calendars, that's a huge thing. Because yeah, you might find one or two years where it fell on the 25th by coincidence, but it tends to move around. And they did move their holidays around a lot. Um, they, they moved a lot of their festival celebration. It, it, it was different, definitely different times from our calendars because of the different kind of calendar that they uh that they chose too, but they, I, I was it was an interesting study trying to find 
anything in regards to this that, that kind of held some water to it. Um, you know, you've got winter solstice. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the other arguments. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got Horus. They talk about Horus, right. Osiris, yeah, no, so, Os- Zoroaster, Mithra, yeah. and, and none of them line up on 25th at all. Yeah. Furthermore, and here's the thing. Here, here's, the, uh, here's the really crusp of it. We have evidence of Christians celebrating Christmas from before most of these things are even mentioned right in in history so we have examples from the 3rd century which is the 200s mm-hmm. that means somewhere less than 200 years so we have like from 202 between 202 and 211 AD so you're you're talking if the last book of the uh, this is my view the last book of the new testament is written in 70 AD you're talking within 130 years of the last book of the Bible. Them already talking about an established practice, an established practice. So you have the church father, Hippolytus, and he, he writes in his commentary on Daniel about the date of the birth of Christ. And so he he's trying to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he points it back to... Uh, first of all, he points back to what he f- believes is the conception of Christ in on March around March 25th. Yep. And so you count nine months from there, and voila, you're on December 25th. And this is, like I said, 200, 202 to 211 AD. You also have Clement of Alexandria also writing um, very early on in those 200s about the same ordeal. Clement uh, uh, wrote during 193 to 215 AD when he wrote and describing when the birth of Christ was. So we know very early on that and and that that Christmas was celebrated. What are you talking about? Within like so 200s is is within the first or second century of Christianity. Yeah, and uh, we even have earlier evidence of of Easter. And Good Friday, and uh, um, we have evidence of Pentecost. You know, the, the Paul kept Pentecost after the Pentecost and Acts. So we have examples of Christians setting these feast days apart, or setting days apart to feast and to worship the Lord on. And uh, uh, they predate anything. So we don't get a soul solus evictus thing till the three hundreds mid 300s and i think there's even some question over really that's even what's being met there in those texts but we have very early evidence of christmas and we uh and it comes from a time in which the church is facing persecution not when they're victorious over the pagans and can distill the pagans days you know what i mean <laughs> right yeah, that's for sure. And the none of the arguments they make have anything to do with, oh, we need to take over these pagan days. You don't ever see that. Ever. In fact, there, there's times in history where you actually saw um, pagans placing certain days or moving certain days uh, to try to overrule things. There's there's one thing that I read. I don't remember which one of the pagan days it was, but I know there was a pagan king that actually placed a particular celebration to try and coincide with Christmas, to try and overrule it. So yeah, you had, 
you had a lot of pushback on it because they knew what they the pagan nations knew what the Christians were celebrating, um, and it was that was a threat to them. But so okay, so we're so we don't go too long here, but let's let's move on to a couple other things here. So, but what about uh, I know a popular argument and probably a concern to people is well, what about a lot of the symbolism? There's 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 symbols and things that you know, are associated with Christmas that supposedly, you know, it's usually the argument each year, and you see things, people posting articles or memes or whatever, and they're saying that, you know, these these are the pagan things. Maybe maybe Christmas, let, let's let's be charitable on this, maybe they're saying maybe Christmas was uh, a good thing at the beginning, but it's been taken over, and there's all, as, as the, I, I think the argument is, as the Roman Catholic Church took over the world or whatever it was, you know, that they merged in all of these things they took from these these pagan nations like like christmas trees or mistletoe and yule logs and things like that so why don't we talk about that yeah so how about that man so it's interesting when you try to tie people down on these things where did they get them like pick one of these so it's very easy when you're dealing with these things to kind of just throw whatever you want up against the wall and try to make it stick. That's why you these people pick all these pagan gods and any of these holidays and just throw them all up as if, well, it's got to be one of these. And so the deal is, you know, which one you want to deal with? And so let's talk about, like, Christmas trees. I find that one so funny. Who, I find that one funny, actually. Yeah, I could tell you why, but go ahead. So, so why, why is it funny? I think it's funny because you can't really find any pagan nations that held Christmas trees as sacred. You can find like German, you know, ancient Germanic tribes and all that stuff, like Celts and whatever. All these people that held like oak trees, you know what I mean? Like Thor, Thor's tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. nobody held Christmas trees, like pine trees. You can't find it. And so I don't, I don't even know where that comes from. Because everything you don't know where it com- I'll explain to you where it comes from. No, no, I mean the, the accusation that it, it got oh, pulled. Oh, from. Oh. That's what I mean. I, I, I'm well, saying I the, think it has to do with trees. Like, well, obviously, just trees. Druids, yeah. okay. Druids, Druids worship trees. You know, some of you even pointed to, was it Jeremiah? It talks about people bringing in trees and decorating them. And see, that's wicked pagan stuff right there. You're talking <laughs> about Ashtoreth poles, people, that people worship. Yeah, I know of yeah. no Christian. I've never met a Christian. Maybe there's somebody out there that worships their Christmas tree. Yeah. I just think it looks cool. Yeah, I think it looks nice. I grew up with it. it. It's it's lights up. It looks pretty. We get to put nice ornaments on it, and it kind of livens up the room. We sit with a warm fire place, drink hot cocoa, and listen to Handel's Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, um, you know, so where does Christmas trees come from? Then, do you know, Tony? Adam and Eve, the Adam and Eve uh, yeah. festival, yeah. Well, part of the Adam and Eve festival. So there used to be some plays done where they would do yep. these Adam and Eve festivals, and you know the the tree was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm-hmm. and then it becomes the tree of good, the life at the end of the plays. But this was a this was an ancient pagan play, clearly right from two hundred A.D. Right, not not yeah. not the sixteen hundreds or anything like that. 15, 1600. No. There's another story, Ancient. and I don't know how tr- true it is. <laughs> um, it may not be that. It may be true. It may not be true. We don't, I mean, there's good evidence that it could be true, but, you you know, it could be legend. But the story is that Martin Luther was walking home one day and saw through the woods the, the stars in the, the sky, 
and was just mesmerized by how beautiful the stars looked over the trees. And so he went and brought a tree down and brought it into his house and set up lights on it and to mimic the stars so he can show his kids what the <laughs> what he was seeing that evening. Which, if that's true, I don't see why any reason why not. It's not even a Roman Catholic thing. Right. <laughs> they have no way of claiming to it. It's Martin Luther. It's a Lutheran thing. That's what it is. It's, it is, a, yeah. it's a Lutheran thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's Christmas trees. I mean, we can go one by one by one by one through the thing. You'll be surprised at how many of our actually um, Christmas traditions are pretty recent. Actually, are not quite that ancient. Are pretty recent oh, additions. It's, it's a lot of it. Are Santa Claus wasn't even until like the eighteen hundreds. Mistletoe wasn't until I think it was in a book or something in the sixteen sixteen hundred seventeen hundred. I mean, a lot of the yeah, stuff yeah. you go back. A lot of these things just. It's funny. I was reading more and more. You know, as I read through them, it's like a lot of these things just came out of books. It was like a reference in a book, and then somebody took that and made it into this, and then it kind of merged into this, and and. You know, all that. But uh, you know what? Let's take one second here, because I think this is something hopefully a lot of people listening, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, probably could agree on. I think we agree on this. Let's just take a second to talk about not St. Nick, but Santa Claus and what you tell your children about Santa Claus. All right. Well, so St. Nicholas, obviously, um, was a early saint, early Christian, Bishop, there's not much record of him. I mean, one of the stories we people tell now is he punched Arius in the face. I don't know that there's actually any evidence for that. It's a funny story. I like it, but I don't know that that actually happened. I don't even know if there's any records of him being at the the, the council there of Nicaea. Well, I actually don't even know as the story goes. Was it even actually Arius proper, or was it just an Arian? Oh, maybe it was just an Aryan. I, I mean, just... it could have been, but so so. What I, what you're telling me is is that Santa Claus punched a Nazi, <laughs> <laughs> an Aryan, yeah, an Aryan. white Aryan, that white hair, blue, blonde haired. When blue he was in prison, hair. back when he was in prison, right back then, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, there was some stories early on about him being pretty uh, 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 gracious and giving, generous. Uh, three women that were uh, virgin daughters were going to be sold into husbands that were bad. And so he threw to them some money for dowries to keep them from bad marriages and help them with good ones. And maybe I think even tradition or, you know, just legend begins to build. They threw them down chimneys and that's where we get that kind of thing. Did you know know about Father Christmas? Did you know about that? Yeah, yeah. That that came before Santa. Like that came before Saint Nick, and that was from. Uh, hold on, I think I have it here. Um, it was actually I, I have it written. It was a medieval personification of Christmas. It says uh, Richard Smart of Plymtree, Plim- I think it is, is the first to write about him, referring to him as Sir Christmas, and his task is to announce the birth of Christ. I thought that was a pretty interesting piece of history. Yeah. So you get these like legends and stuff and Nicholas developed like a big following. I don't know why he was popular. Maybe the generosity thing. And I think um, the Dutch, from what I understand, the Dutch kind of brought that tradition over in the 1800s. I mean, I mean, clearly a pagan, you know, pagan tribe brought it over in the 200s. No, I'm kidding. It actually was the 1800s when the Dutch brought him over. 
And it was a tradition, well, like a, tradition they had. Uh, Martin Luther was, he did not like the Santa Claus thing in his day. And so he came up with, uh, he wanted to put the emphasis back on the, the, the Christ kind. So kind and K-I-N-D in German is the word for kid. So I always say, gotcha. you know, no matter how mean kids and are in uh, German, they will always be kind. So sorry, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> but uh, so he had the Chris Kind, and this is interesting, which was Christ Child. Mm-hmm. Put the emphasis back on Christ. Well, somehow, and this is where it goes screwy, and we got to be careful with traditions and legends and superstition. Is that somehow turns into Chris Kringle, mm. and it becomes the name of Santa Claus, right? And so, uh, yeah, we get that weird well, stuff. But you know, Santa, a lot of the- Santa Claus came from S- I don't know how to pronounce it exactly. Sinterklaas, I think, was yep, the Sinterklaas, Dutch. Yeah, yep. Sinterklaas yep. was the Dutch one. Yeah, Saint. It's for Saint Saint yep. Nick. But uh, um, you get you know, most of the stuff we think about Santa Claus, reindeers, and the red suit. I mean, the red suit thing is from Coca Cola. Yeah, I thought, what? yeah, right. Wasn't From a Coca-Cola advertisement. A lot of the stuff we think about Santa Claus now, all those things, those are like 19th, 20th century and, and beyond, like advertisements and stuff. So I, I would say, uh, you, you mentioned this earlier, a lot of times the pagans want to take over Christian days. And I would say there probably is an attempt today, again by pagans, often led by Jews, to take over Christmas and make it into something that has nothing to do with Christ. And so Sarah Silverman was on some show the other day talking about, you guys can't have Christmas without the Jews. We come up with all the Christmas songs and Christmas movies. And she's right. All those mm-hmm. songs that have nothing to do about Christ and they're like jingle bells or, or I don't know about that one, but like, uh, you know, I'll be home for Christmas it and is, white Christmas. Is, they're all Jews. A, it is such a sad thing. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's comical in a dark way. You know, because it's like you get you got these people that long ago, you know, were the only nation, right, on earth that was called by God, and and just uh, especially in 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 the West specifically, to just watch them hate hate their own Messiah so much that they try to sabotage all these things, and it, it's it's a that's a sad thing. It, it really is. I mean, yeah. it, you know, thinking about some of the songs that they make, obviously we can kind of chuckle at it because they're just ridiculous songs. But it, it is—it's just kind of a dark, it's a yeah. dark laugh. But yeah. So, uh, let, last thing to say before we take this break, then about Santa Claus, maybe is that um, I teach my children this. We've taught them from the beginning that Christmas is a day that the church has. Uh, set to be able to teach on the birth of Christ. And so we celebrate Christ. We look forward to him. It's all about Jesus. And so we sing about him. We mostly sing hymns and carols that have to do with Jesus. And we said that some people look at Santa Claus as like a make-believe thing. And so we've told them the truth, you know, not a real, not a real thing. It's just a make-believe like a cartoon, you know, like any other character, like Blue's Clues or whatever else. So you're just ruining their childhood and you're 
you're sending your militant children into the neighborhood to ruin all of the other neighborhood children's Christmas, right? I just no. saw I just saw an entire thread on this. Yeah. Actually, somebody at my church, the poor lady, I, she she was just trying to say something nice, I think, about Christmas, and somebody went nuts on it or whatever about how the fact that her kids don't believe in Santa, and people get really people get really upset about that. Now, to be fair, I don't know about your kids, but like my kids, I, yeah, we tell them the exact same thing. I do tell my kids. There are people out there that tell their kids that Santa's real. He's not real, but they do tell their kids this. And so don't just go out and start just, you know, the gospel is not Santa's not real. You know, the gospel is, you know, about Jesus Christ and repent and believe, you know. So put more emphasis on that. But I, I do tell them, and I don't know about you, but I do tell them if, if they ask you straight up, <laughs> is Santa real? I don't want you to lie. And yeah, I, I do a little different with that. Okay. I, I want my kids to maybe this is, as I say, this is not an insult to you, but I want my kids to know their place yeah. on some things. And so I tell them, so if another kid asks you, uh, you just say, why don't you go talk to your parents? Your parents, about it. yeah. You can go talk to your parents or you come talk to my dad about it if you want or have your parents talk to my dad about it <laughs> let my dad ruin it for you <laughs> yeah yeah now if they really really press i well, want them to be able to tell the truth well that's that was that's yeah, what yeah, i mean yeah. that was my point yeah i've told them things yeah because my daughter's asked me all sorts of she's a scenario person <laughs> and she's come up with all sorts of scenarios and a lot of them i'm just like just just tell them to go talk to their parents and if they you know i've even said like they can come you know talk to mom or me or whatever like that's fine but if they just hammer on it with you and they're just like no i want an answer then don't lie and just tell him no, yeah. he's not real. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we have to teach our children to speak truth and speak truth in a timely manner in a good season. And that's what I'm trying to do. So I don't want my kids to lie about it. I also don't want them to not speak truth because I want them to preach the gospel and not to hide it when it gets bad to do that either. When, and, and make everybody feel comfortable in, in lies. Right. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, there are some people that, for whatever reason, they're just using their kids' imagination. They, that's the way they think of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to give them some room without immediately, you know, my kids having to be the ones that go around just trying to ruin everybody. Right. And I, right? And I have known people's kids that I don't think they've had that talk. Uh, it, it, what I mean is the talk of don't just make it your point during <laughs> during December to just go out to every kid that you see and tell them that Santa's not real like that that don't do that like but I feel like there there have been kids that are that are like that and I think that's that's just causing I don't that's just causing trouble almost for the sake of just because I want to be right type deal and kids have to be taught to be careful with that especially because. I mean, not about your kids, but sometimes my older kids like to really be right. So if somebody says something slightly incorrect while we're at the dinner table, you know, the other one has to correct them. And I think there's that mentality at times. And I try to teach them, you know, you don't you don't always have to correct every little thing. And then but there are the right times to do it. And you have to do it in the right way. If you're doing it just because, well, I just want to be right. Well, that's not the right way to do it. You know, you, you should do it because you want to lead this person to truth and to better that person. And again, I think you and I talked about this on another episode where I've been telling my kids, you need to think about not necessarily what makes this person feel good, but what is 
best for this other person and that's what you that's what you ought to do yeah and and at the same time avoiding pride yeah absolutely so how about we take a break and actually we'll come back and we'll pick back up about what's the application from all this is it just because you know we're trying to defend christmas or is there some application cool all right well we're going to take a break and uh i was just gonna say we come back and we online with us because we don't have another guest this episode. So stick around. You are listening to the Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We'll be right back. Gentlemen, Tony DePani here from the Patriarchy Podcast. Do you like coffee? I do. The darker, the better. Joseph doesn't. He calls it bitter bean water, and that's because he drinks sweet tea, which is basically just brown Kool-Aid. He also doesn't know that I'm doing this commercial, and he's not here right now, so I could say whatever I want. Call it bitter bean water, or as you should, call it the nectar of the gods. Either way, coffee is a wonderful thing. That's why we've partnered with Mission First Coffee, a Christian-owned and operated coffee brand that ships that wonderful bean water straight to your doorstep. 10% of every order goes to Paul Washer's Heart Cry Missionary Society, and they've even got a no-questions money-back guarantee, which is crazy in today's day and age. So ditch the Dunkin', scrap the Starbucks, head over to missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy to get some seriously good coffee and support our show. What are you waiting for? The gender-neutral barista at the local chain shop to ask if you want whipped cream with that latte? Come on. Real men drink it black. And go support a company that will actually be remembered in the world to come. That's missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy. And be sure to leave a comment with your order that you'd love to see a super dark patriarchy blend one day, because I think that'd be pretty cool. So head over to missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy. Get yourself or a loved one or both. A bag of beautiful bean water today. This is Polly the Transparent with an important public service announcement. These yahoos over at the Patriarchy Podcast collaborated with some other yahoos over at Confessional Wear to bring all their gun-toting, misogynistic, homophobic, Bible-thumping, brain-dead minion yahoos some Patriarchy merchandise. Yeah, they're actually selling t-shirts and coffee mugs to promote this trash. Even t-shirts for women. I'd say I can't believe it, but let's face it, these are the same buffoons that send boxes of Fruit Loops to my door, addressed to the Fruit Loop that lives there, who thinks he's a parrot. Intolerant pieces of garbage, of course I'm a parrot. Anyways, this crap is available on confessionalware.com under podcast collaborations. Not that any normal person would buy that junk. Squawk. Hey lady, Polly needs his papers changed again. The lack of service around this place is unbelievable. All 
All right, welcome back. So before we get into this next part where we're going to give a little more practical application surrounding Christmas and traditions and all that fun, wouldn't be an episode of the patriarchy if we didn't have some kind of little bit here. So we are going to bring back one we haven't done in a little while. At the intersection of woke and bespoke. All right, this comes to us by way of uh, YouTube, and this is, uh, oh boy, I have not heard this, to be fair, Joseph has, I have not heard this, this is Progressive Christmas Carols, this should be interesting. We wish you happy holidays, whoever you may be. Oh. So Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, or heck, all three. We modernize these jingles for the massive bourgeoisie. Love the updated Christmas carol team. You'd better not judge, you better not hate, you better not bully or discriminate. Progressive Santa's coming to town. He's making a list of gluten-free foods. This is future Tony in post-editing. I realized this part was inappropriate and didn't hear it while we were recording, so I cut it out. Enjoy the rest. Progressive Santa's coming to town. He's 50 different races. And all for tax reform. He'll protect all your children. Well, as long as they've been born, you'd better watch. Oh, oh, that was a deep cut right there. Oh, man. <laughs> I love the fact that he's 50 different races. <laughs> I can't tell the guy singing it if he's a liberal or not. I think he might be, but he, he, he hits a nail on the head there with that last part. Like, uh, yeah, uh, as long as they've been born. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. The face that he uh, makes, well, because it's like all four of them on this video, but the face that he makes that, I don't know. I can't tell. Maybe, maybe not. But yeah, he, he hits yeah, it right I, on I, the head. Um, yeah, I, I did some research. So I think he's he's definitely not a believer. So that's, he, uh, but uh, he, uh, he nailed that one pretty good. They're <laughs> <Better> not judge. Right. <laughs> Uh, that was that was good. Oh, was good. All right, so speaking of judgment, <laughs> oh, nice segue. <laughs> nice segue. Joseph Spurgeon, the I, king of segways. <laughs> yes. Oh. I wanted to. We wanted to talk about in the Slack segment here about application. So, are, are we just out to defend our traditions and then you know whatever God's word says? What 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 what's the takeaway then for us here? What can we give you for Christmas? And what I want to say is simply, Christianity is not about food. So there's your Christmas present. Don't take my food. You just offended all the Baptists that are listening. No, what I mean is it's not. It's just not made up of food or I know. Da- days right, or I ceremonies. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we have. We do have liturgy we do have the lord's supper and they do have ceremonies we do eat food we can feast but that's not the substance of it. the substance of it is christ and the problem is we often want to get in arguments about things of lesser substance and hold positions and then use those positions 
not in other to build each other up and to encourage each other in the fight against sin, the devil, and the world, but rather to build our own selves up with pride. And it's just as easy to do with the people who celebrate Christmas, like for me to look down upon those who don't and have their consciences convicted that Scripture says they can't. Like it's easy for me to look down upon them and... Um, or and, and to build it up as a prideful position. And the same thing and otherwise. And there's all kinds of ways. Like you mentioned it, it's like the, well, we don't tell our kids about Santa Claus. And we're, we want our kids to go tell everybody else about it. And then, or the, you are terrible. You're ruining your kid's, your kid's uh, childhood by telling yep. them about Santa. Or this, I just saw this on Facebook. Somebody was saying, and they, this was not from the principled, you know, regular principle, we don't celebrate Christmas still. This was simply from, I think it sounded like pride was, I have never given my children a Christmas gift. Oh, my goodness. That's... It's like... That's um, just like, why would you brag? That just seems... like Well, yeah, you're right. It's a, that's a pride thing. It's That's... Because there's no other reason to put that on Facebook. I... I mean, if you if you don't, then don't. But I don't... Yeah. But you're you're right because they're on the other side of that. On the flip side of the coin, there are people that I don't know. People that celebrate Christmas, I'm sure that I'm, I'm I can only imagine the comment thread on that post. But yeah, then you're gonna probably have people that are gonna I don't know take the other end of that or the other side of that ditch with the pride and be like, well, I gave my kids all these gifts and we celebrate this and we have a tree and a star and mistletoes and we eat ham and, you know, like probably everything they could think to just like stick it to that person. I see that too. And that, that makes me mad too. That's actually why I, I mean, I post things about Christmas like in a normal way, but you know, I, it's not normal. You, you idiot. It's not normal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but that's right. That's the things I don't, I, I, I want to, I'm not on Facebook a lot anyways. I don't post a ton but for that reason. But if I'm going to post things about Christmas, I also don't post a ton about Christmas. And I have this kind of internal struggle because it's like I want I, I celebrate Christmas. I want to celebrate the birth of Christ. I, I enjoy it, and I want other people to celebrate too. But at the same time, I do know there are people that don't, and they have convictions of, of why they don't. And I also don't want to be that guy that's, you know, just— I don't know, being the opposite of Scrooge. I don't know what what's the opposite of Scrooge. <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like I, I but I don't you know what I mean? Like I don't, don't want to be, be sentimental. You don't want to be like, yeah, the, yeah. This, like the, the sentimentalism and And I don't want to act like know. other people like if you don't want to celebrate Christmas or you don't celebrate it in the same way that I do or you use something different or whatever. I don't want to act like I don't know, somehow you're like less of a believer or something because you I don't know, maybe you don't have a tree or or yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, like whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know what you want to do is is be faithful to the scripture, and you want to realize. You know, I, I think about this. Uh, the Jesus in Matthew was healing people. He had they had taken this uh, boat ride across the the sea, and and it got stormy, and so Jesus walked out on the water and he Peter walked and he rescued Peter then they landed and when they landed people started bringing people left and right 
for Jesus to heal them. And as soon as he did that, as soon as he started healing and all this stuff, these Pharisees come down from uh, Jerusalem and they come and they come to Jesus and say, in the midst of all this healing, this preaching of the gospel, the, 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 you know, the, the, the gates of hell are being shaken. And they come and be like, uh, excuse me, Jesus, why, uh, why don't your disciples wash their hands when they eat? Uh, <laughs> why don't they keep our traditions? <laughs> and Jesus jumps all over them because they had made the law of God void. For one, they were more concerned with their traditions there than what was actually going on. The kingdom was coming in power, and they had spent more time and were willing to fight over those traditions. And then Jesus goes on to show them, well, not only do you have these traditions, which there's nothing wrong with washing your hands. I'm sure the disciples washed them before. When Jesus um, uh, turned the water into wine, he did it from the water that was for washing your hands. So that was part of the thing there, the ceremony. And he wasn't accused then of not washing his hands. So uh, he probably kept that tradition at times. But there was other traditions that they kept, which totally uh, abrogated the law of God, right? You're, you're supposed to take care of your parents and honor your father and mother. And the Jews have this tradition. What if you give the money to the temple? Well, that's okay. You just do that instead. And the whole point being is, Christianity is not about these things. It's about faith in Christ and love of neighbor. And we are tempted, whether it's Christmas, uh, on all kinds of issues to make it about what it's not about. And I think, like, if you want to really know what Christianity boils down to, it's pretty easy. Pull open your Bible and grab, like, Colossians chapter 3. And it just walks through what the Christian life looks like. Right? It's putting off immorality. Uh, this is what he says. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you'll be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. If because of these things, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And then he goes on to say, put Put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abuse of speech. Do not lie to one another. Uh, and then put on the new self. And then he gets down to verse 12 in that Colossians 3. He says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever is a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Put on all, beyond these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then he goes on to say, sing hymns and uh, psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart. Right in the middle of this, and then whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And what's interesting is that phrase about singing psalm, hymns and spiritual songs comes in the middle of this passage about the putting off of wickedness putting on what's good and love and peace and building each other up. And we turn that little phrase about Psalms and spiritual songs into this huge battle to tear down each other and be prideful about. And whatever ends you come on with. And so 
you know, the simple part of Christianity is put away evil from amongst you, put on what is good, do what's right, worship the Lord, worship God, and then submit to authority. And the rest of the verses are about wives submitting to their husbands and husbands leading their wives and servants submitting to their masters. And that's really, you want to know what it means to be a Christian. It's not about whether you keep Christmas or not. It's about, are you going to be Christ-like? Are you going to obey Christ and worship him? And that comes out then in all the ways of being a man or a woman, I think. Submission to, to good authority and uh, good authority leading in good ways, right? You want to know what Christianity is about? Here it is. You ready? The patriarch sent the son so you can be a good patriarch. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. Well, it, there's the one thing that I wanted to, to say here before we go. Um, there, there's one thing that I think, so I want to be fair here. So obviously we're on the uh, the pro-celebrate Christmas side. But I want to be fair. There, There's something, we were talking about things we appreciate about the opposing viewpoint stuff too. One of the things I do appreciate is the care that goes into... Um, questioning, well, why do we do these things? You know what I mean? Like, and, and I guess then that would also be a uh, criticism, a gripe, whatever you want to call it, with some people on the pro-Christmas side is there are people on this side that are too quick to just blindly adopt something and go with it. So I, I do appreciate other people um, taking the time to try to look through things and just ask themselves, why do we do this? Why is it on this date, or why do we have a Christmas tree, or why do we, you know, celebrate it in this way, or eat this particular food, and those kind of things. I, I appreciate that, because there are other things that I have looked through in, in my life, and our family's life, and I've approached it from that way, is where it's like, well, we have this tradition, but I have absolutely no idea why. And then you start looking through, and, and I, I would encourage people to do that. Um, even if you're a, a pro-Christmas person, um, you should do the research, and you should go back, and it's it's actually very informative and I actually think it'll it'll make you appreciate Christmas more um, knowing about all of these things and looking back through history and even just going back again for this episode and reading a lot of the things that I I researched it just it gave me a better appreciation for it and it gave me a better appreciation for church history I the both of us Joseph and I both have a deep appreciation for church history no we don't put it above the Bible but we do have a high uh, uh, view of church history and of, of the men who came before us and of the things they held to or argued about um, or established, all those kind of things. Um, so I, I, that's, that's something I, I did want to say. I want to be fair in all of this, too, um, to the people that, that don't wish to celebrate Christmas or have maybe particular things about Christmas they don't want, don't want to celebrate. Yeah, we don't want to get into superstition. Mm-hmm. Or adding to the worship of God things that are not necessarily, that aren't commanded, elements of worship, right? Uh, so I, I, you know, even though I'm pro-Christmas, I'm opposed to adding things into the worship liturgy that are elements that are not there. Um, candles and lighting of incense or, yeah, yeah. or other things that have not been commanded by God. Um, you know, I, 
I think there's some room for the church on some of those things, but uh, we have to be very careful on guard of idolatry. And that is something that um, I love about those who are opposed to Christmas from the regular principle of thing is that they are, uh, they are very much opposed to what they believe to be idolatry. Mm -hmm. I just happen to disagree with them on that. And um, I want to encourage them to make sure that their position is not idolatry. Yeah, that's true. Well, and a lot of this on both sides could be an idolatrous thing. I mean, I think there are people that are on the pro-Christmas side that hold Christmas in too high of a regard. I mean, we've kind of went over that, but people that, that view it as if you don't celebrate that somehow, I don't know, it's an affront to God or something that if you don't celebrate Christmas. Um, so I think we all, in general, on both sides of this, and hopefully this is something everybody <laughs> that's listening can agree on, is that we should all be on guard against uh, making things, elevating things above where they ought to be. Well, there's a temptation, I think, to even on this thing, as we discuss these, to make these things so big because we're actually avoiding other issues mm -hmm. too, right? Spend all our time arguing about Christmas online while you don't lead your family. Yep. While, you're, while your wife and children are hanging in the balance or you're not actually taking dominion of for Christ, right? You're upset about people singing about Christ or worshiping on Christmas Day but you don't go proclaim the gospel in the streets anywhere. Or you're upset that people don't keep Christmas, but you you don't actually use it to tell anybody about Christ either. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I, Charles Spurgeon is actually pretty good at it. He would preach Christmas sermons, and uh, he was very much opposed to the idolatry of Christmas. So on, on some hands, you can almost point to him, like the people point to him and say, see, he was opposed to Christmas. And he has a lot of statements sound like he's opposed to Christmas. And then there's like Advent books done with his sermons and stuff <laughs> because he preached on Christmas. He used it as an opportunity to preach the gospel, yeah. not to spend all his time bashing the people keeping Christmas, but rather to preach about the birth of Christ and what that means for everybody. And I think that's actually the right thing to learn from all of this, whether you keep it or not, is, man, what an opportunity we have Absolutely. right now when everybody... It's thinking about there's something going on in that right now. And most people are at least aware that the birth of Christ is going on now. I mean, you can't go to Walmart without Mariah Carey telling you to fall on your knees and worship the Lord. <laughs> which is I mean, it's one of the best things ever. I was going to be like, which is just kind of a, just, you're, if you're not post mill, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Get with it, man. But baptize yeah. your babies while we're at it. <laughs> <laughs> now we've just offended literally everybody. Um, but no, let's let's end it on that. So wh whether you whether you keep Christmas or not, or whether you keep half of Christmas or part of Christmas, or however you want to celebrate December twenty fifth or this season, um, make sure that you don't lose the opportunity. I mean, all of us are out and about. Uh, whether you shop at Walmart or you shop at the mom and pop supermarket down the street you're bound to run into somebody who celebrates Christmas, whether they celebrate it because it's the birth of Christ or whether they celebrate it because it's fun and they want to give gifts or some you know commercial thing. They at least know it exists, and they're going to know at least why it exists, even if they don't celebrate it the, the right way. So don't lose the opportunity. You know, Grab some gospel tracks and keep them in your back pocket. 
and make sure to stop somebody and share the actual gospel with them this season. And that is our episode for this week. And since this will be released on the week leading up to Christmas, that means as you are listening to this right now, Christmas is a few days away. So from Joseph and I and everybody here at the Patriarchy, have a very Merry Christmas to you and yours. However you want to spend it or however you don't, do it all to the glory of God. And as always, until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is The Patriarchy. Santa baby, I am very sorry to say no way. Will I ever publicly sing Santa baby, that homosexual song? Santa baby I know I said I'd do it if they some way got a couple of likes but Santa baby I never thought they'd get quite this far it's gotta be the worst thing I've heard since old Bethy Moore was a tweet in my way and after all, you're not even real Except the OG back in Arius day, oh So old St. Nicky, wind up that right hook that you've got a lot Of heretics to be felt like old St. Nicky When you put old Arius on the ground St. Nicky, we could really use more of that Christmas cheer. With all the nonsense these days, old St. Nicky, could you do something about TGC? And now the time comes for me to go. I know that some of you are probably sorry to see. I didn't sing about kissing some dudes. But that probably says more about you than me, oh. So all you weirdos calling in your friends for a like, oh no. Just think about my dignity, please. So everybody, just let me hurry back to the song. And at least sign up for my Patreon. at this point you should be ashamed of yourselves every one of you i hope you have a merry christmas nonetheless and that we've all learned our lesson from this